Welcome to episode 10 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Murray Guest. This week, I'm catching up with Ken Barr Jr., a strengths-based coach based in Michigan, USA. In this episode, we discuss Ken's journey to becoming a strengths coach, the impact strengths has made in his life, and how, as a counselor, career coach, and organizational consultant, he partners with individuals and teams to discover, develop, and apply their strengths. He works frequently in the education, nonprofit, retail, hospitality, and healthcare, and customer service fields. Ken is an awesome guy I've got to know through attending the Clifton Strength Summits in Omaha. We discuss, as I said, his strengths, but also his love of the Michigan Wolverines and our combined love of superhero films, a bit of a discussion about Spider-Man as well. Ken's top five Clifton strengths are input, maximizer, arranger, woo, and learner. And I had a great time chatting to Ken about how those strengths have helped him be his true self and apply them for his success. So here we go with episode 10 with Ken Barr Jr. Hi, Ken. It's wonderful to have you on the Inspired Energy podcast today. Good afternoon. How are you? I am very well, sir. And good morning to you. Yeah. Um, what time is it for you today? It's 3.35 p.m. on Thursday. And whereabouts in the world can we find you today? I'm in West Michigan, United States. And are you a, a Michigan boy? Is that where you've, you've grown up or you moved there? Yeah, grown and born and raised. Spent a lot of time, several different cities in Michigan, but many years in West Michigan, right near, right near the lake. Yeah, great. And uh, you've got a strong passion for the blues, don't you? <laughs> I do love uh, soul and R&B music, if that's what you're referencing. No, yes. no, I'm, I'm referring to, you know who I'm referring to. Oh, yes, the Michigan Wolverines. The best. Michigan Wolverines, they're best. Okay, tell me a bit more about them, because I'm a uh, an uneducated Australian when it comes to the football. Tell me a bit more about the, the Wolverines. So the Michigan Wolverines football team is the winningest program in all of college football. So they have the most wins of any college program and more than any professional program as well in all of the United States. That, that's a, that's a, um, a very powerful um, recognition of the program they must have in place to develop and retain the talent that they have. Yes, super strong commitment to excellence. We've had some larger than life coaches, a handful of really uh, innovative leaders and a lot of really terrific traditions that people just have grabbed a hold of. Even if you haven't attended the university, they have a, a large following throughout not only the country, but the world. So um, how long has the Wolverines been around for? The University of Michigan itself was established in 1817, actually started teaching classes in Ann Arbor around 1837 and have been playing football since 1879. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what's that? So be, let's go 130, 140 years this year. Yeah. 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 Long time. 
And um, so I've seen those um, sort of shots of um, and the bits of video of the the car parks before the football game. That that sort of energy where people are getting around and having cookouts on the the back of their pickups. Am mm-hmm. I, is that is that a, a very true picture of what goes on before the game? Oh, it sure is. On on game days on Saturdays in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor becomes the fourth largest city in the state, the 10th most populous state in the US, and it is everywhere. So even if you're not inside the stadium, you're still somewhere close to a TV and usually in the company of friends cooking something. And that could be burgers, it could be chili, it could, heck, it could be a salad. <laughs> but everybody together let's eat let's get together and let's cheer on the wolverines yeah okay so all right, i need to get to a game we need to organize that yeah i anytime you just let me know i have high ranger i've got season tickets and i've got a lot of friends who do too so and i love showing people around ann arbor and it's also the largest collegiate stadium in the united states nicknamed the big house yeah. Okay. Now I've, I need to ask as a strengths coach and you do some amazing work um, with strengths. Um, what's the, the relationship that you think uh, or that you draw from the success of the Wolverines from a strengths based approach? Well, certainly there is, and I think this resonates with me personally, having high maximizer talents is a, a commitment to excellence, a a strong desire to be the very best that you can be. And that is something that I, I know just from attending school there and talking with other people about it. That's just part of the, the culture. It's one of the things that you want to learn from the best and you want to be exposed to the best opportunities that you can. And you want your peers to also be to be strong to be to be talented because i of course this is how i see it is that makes me better too mm. that's such a a great um description of that maximizer theme how it is part of um you and how how, how you um have embraced it but as you said, as the winningest team, they must have that going through their approach to um, always continuously, continuously look at ways to make, do it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what got you into strengths and the Clifton Strengths tool? Sure. I really was the the right guy in the right place at the right time. This is many, many years ago now. This is 2006, where I was given an assignment. I was just out of graduate school, and I was given an assignment to find out everything I could about then it was called Quest, mm-hmm. which is uh, the student interface for the strengths assessment and having high input, high learner, I just dove into it. I took the assessment, I read all of the books that were written at the time about StrengthsFinder and talked to some people who worked in organizations that were strengths-based like Stryker and uh, 
and some folks who worked at colleges and universities across North America about what they were doing with this this tool and this approach, and it just grabbed a hold of me. It just, the easiest way that I could describe it is that I feel like I long had taken this strengths-based approach. I just didn't really call it that. Yeah, but, gotcha. Yeah, but possessing high maximizer talents, this was really the way that I saw people in the world naturally. Did you feel it was a bit of a um, validation of who you are and a bit of a, oh, this is just me. This is the way I've been doing things. It's just now put it into writing in front of me. Oh, absolutely. It yeah. was it was exactly that where you read those descriptions and it was, whoa, yeah, th this is it. I don't know that I would have chosen this word, but now that I know it, arranger or woo, I certainly take ownership of it and, and you can see the, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for a long time and it's really helped me. Did you take ownership of all of your top five straight away or were some a bit harder or took a bit more time <laughs> to embrace? There were some that were pretty easy. Input and learner were just so easy to, to see it. I could think of several examples where I do exactly what the description calls the collecting the archiving the sharing of the information the enthusiasm for learning <laughs> when i first read woo uh, my response was more of a oh boy i don't know this really sounds like a used car sale <laughs> however yeah i had some some colleagues who said that well really ken you are a salesman but what you're selling is helping other people be successful, which is something that people want to buy. That was a nice and way that, to reframe woo, wasn't it? That, that, that sounds, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that was helpful. And it was the, yeah, I do. I do want to influence people to do things that will help them become stronger. I um, can see that interface there. So you've talked about woo and learner input maximizer. What about a ranger? That's your number three. Is that one that you've um, also had as part of who you are and part of your life for some time? Hey, that's a great question because a ranger was something that up to that point, I had limited access for things to arrange. So certainly I, I used to be nicknamed the social chair when I was in, in college nice. because of that penchant of getting people together and creating fun things to do and activities. However, in the world of work, once I had really thought about it, I started to become more intentional of, of arranging events and people. How do we get the right people in the places to get the the outcomes that we want. Mm. So that was one that I would say is more developed. Uh, what's a way that over the years, um, one of your strengths has tripped you up, you would say? <laughs> tripped me up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I can think of a few examples. The older I get, the, the easier it is to, to <laughs> some of these things. I, I certainly have made the mistake, particularly when I was younger, of 
trying to apply Maximizer to people and situations in a way that was unsolicited. People mm. weren't people weren't asking for something to be better, and therefore my instincts to just try to make it there. You know, if they don't want it, I was trying to to almost uh, well, hey, you you really need this, or this could be better. When really you should ask permission. If somebody wants to be better, if somebody wants to receive feedback, well then give them all you got. But if they don't, then that maximizer talent can really look like you're just putting your nose in their business or, or it could even be perceived as criticism. That, that sounds like maximizer and woo uh, combining beautifully for you to serve someone and, and, um, and, and to say what you're thinking to help them improve, but maybe they're not ready for that. And maybe they didn't ask for your permission for that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I have maximizer in, um, it's number 11 for me. So while it's not in my top five and just out of my top 10, it's still definitely part of who I am. I know that. And um, for me, what I'm hearing in you is something that I've done in the past with my children. They bring home their homework and they would say, look at this. And I go, yeah, but what about that little bit just there? That's not quite right. Mm -hmm. and, and my wife, I go, but you've just missed the whole part of acknowledging the good stuff. And, uh, and that was me in a very raw state of that maximizer of yeah, um, doing some of that. So, or when I was leading teams. So um, I, I hear you when you do that because uh, I've done that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully I had some colleagues too, when I had worked at places where we could just be honest with each other and you have somebody who could say, Hey, and we knew the language at this point too. And they could just say your, your maximizer may be, maybe wearing this person out a little bit. Yeah. Nice. And, and that's the, an indication is not then of that trust and the strength of the relationship with your colleagues to use strengths finder and the language in a, um, a way to have those tough conversations sometimes. Correct. So what have you been doing with strengths finder since, um, 2006 when you first discovered it and connected with it? Gosh, when you say it like that, it seems like <laughs> it's been a really long time. I have been doing a lot of team development, helping teams become aware of what their, what their greatest gifts are. And what I like to say is also helping them see each other in the context of what's right. It's, it can be real easy to miss something that you are not looking for. And if you have worked with somebody and you are constantly annoyed by their behavior and all you can see is the, what they're not doing right, mm. these team trainings can really open your eyes and just help you start to, hey, notice that everybody has something that they can contribute. They have something that they can do really well. But you do have to be, you do have to be looking for it. Yeah, there's a part where you have to be motivated to see people in light of what they do well. So. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that power that it brings. Um, that the ease again, the ease to have those conversations where we see the the beauty and the um, strength in other people, as opposed to what's wrong with them. Yeah, it, 
I have received so much feedback over the years where people say that it is, it almost acts as a, it relieves the tension or it, it allows people to now, ah, okay, that was there, but I just, I just didn't notice it. Or I, or I noticed the, the negative application of it. Yeah. Gotcha. And the teams you've been working with, um, uh, are they uh, teams that are intact at the time and dysfunctional or through to um, people coming together for the first time or are they teams working together for a while and they're um, uh, working quite well? What what's the type of teams that you've been working with? It's It's been a spectrum. I've had folks that have worked together for several years. I've had a leadership group where they had all worked together for, believe it or not, more than 20 years. Mm. So they helped grow the business. Very, they had been doing it for a long time. I've also worked with folks who were just starting to get together within the first six months. I've worked with nonprofits. I've worked with People who I've worked with faith-based organizations, really my favorite group to work with is the people that are committed to doing the work. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, and when you run those team sessions, what's some of the um, moments that stand out for you where you've um, seen such an impact from the work of, of people knowing their strengths? I've heard people, I, I'm thinking about a, a session that I just did about two and a half weeks ago where people would say during the break, say, I've worked with this woman for 10 years and I've never heard her mention this thing about this, this talent that she possesses or more, even more importantly, what she needs from her colleagues in order to do her best work. Mm. And it was that, that, oh my gosh, how, how did we miss that? Or now it's the, well, geez, now that I know that she is drawn to doing that and she's good at it, we can, we can find ways to make sure that she gets to do it. So there's um, some comments out there sometimes around from a strengths-based approach. We are forgetting about people's weaknesses. And as you and I are both passionate about strengths, we also know that that's not right. We, it's about managing those weaknesses and uh, people being aware of those. But how do you bring that into your team workshop? For me, it's the helping people see. It's just asking from their own experience. What, what do you get when you focus on weakness? And, and you really ask that and you just leave it out there. Yep. And, and let people truly reflect. It's like, do you get incredible performance? Do you get somebody who'd say, oh, yeah, I'm just not really that good at math or quantitative reasoning? It's like, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to give you a ton of that. You're going to get all kinds of opportunities to do this thing that you're not good at or you don't like. They don't turn into star performers in that area. And then just ask them. I'm a counselor, so I even joke about it. Well, <laughs> how does that make you feel? Mm. When, when, you, when you play in an area where it's your weakness – and folks will, they come to it quickly. They're like, <laughs> I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It sucks. <laughs> and so then it becomes easier to see 
It's like, well, what would you rather do? Would you rather discover and find ways to do what you do best? Or do you want to spend more time hammering away at weakness? So how do you um, navigate that conversation about there's parts of my role, which don't align with my strengths, but I still need to do those. When it's, when it's part of a team, then you can ask the questions about either using other talents as proxy to get something done, or is there somebody else on the team who would really do this in a way that would be, they would be more productive, that they would actually enjoy whatever that task is. It, it becomes like a search. Mm, mm. Think of it like a talent search. It's like, I know this thing just drains the life out of me. But when you do these team sessions, you may discover that somebody else really has an affinity for it. And then, then you can ask, hey man, you want some more of this? <laughs> have you found some managers uh, have some resistance to then changing the way the work is done or even teams having some resistance? Cause it's a bit like, okay, something doesn't feel right to them when you say we can approach the work through a different lens where people are doing different work of the team. I've seen sometimes that resistance to that because it seems so foreign to I've got a job description and that person does this job description. Oh, you bet. Murray, it is, has everything to do with the assumptions you hold. Mm. For some people, for example, they may hold the assumption that the work must be distributed equally. If there are six members of this team, then all six have to do the exact same amount of whatever that, that is that they're supposed to do. And that is just something that they hang on to. Whereas they may have one person on the team that does it so well and, and enjoys it that they could be more productive and can do more than the other five combined. And it's this thing where you almost have to like ask. It's not the work part and the performance speaks for itself. The challenge becomes how will you feel if you do it differently? Can you challenge your own assumptions? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And you're right. It's those assumptions that we've got in place um, that we've been hanging on to, which then can inhibit the, the opportunity in front of us to look at it differently, to structure it differently. Because if in that example you just shared, if, if you structure it that way, what does that create the opportunity for? What space does that open up for, for those other five people in the team? That's to provide right. work that's more aligned with their strengths and talents and gives them the chance to really um, feel valuable, valued and productive. Oh, you got it. You got it. So what do you do with your teams to help them take this um, insight and these moments of knowing their strengths and talents and others back into the workplace? So, Ken's done this magic and, and helped weave, weave some magic in with the team. And then they've got to go back to their day to day. So what does that look like for you? It, it normally, it, of course, it all depends on just how comprehensive they want to approach strengths development. But 
two pieces that I think are critical, particularly for workplace engagement, are their own, people are not done growing. They may come to you as a recent graduate. They may come to you as someone who, a mid-career professional. They may be someone who's been working in that field for 40 years, but they're not done growing. And part of that, particularly for managers, is to find a way to help that employee grow within that area. And as you know, people, (laughs) when you already lean toward a particular way of thinking and a way that you feel and these behavior patterns, as the manager, you can find opportunities and add knowledge and skills so that they feel that they are being invested in. All of that is just a really long way to say development. Mm-hmm. What is your plan now that you have discovered what your talents are? What is your plan to develop them? The, the other part, sorry. No, you go, you go. I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. The other part is application. This, what goals, what do you want to aim your strengths at? I mean, now that you, you really understand where you derive intense satisfaction and where you get great results. So now the question becomes, what do you want to apply that to? Because we know that when you get a chance to do what you do best, you have two things that happen. One, you get really terrific results. And secondly, you feel great when you're doing it. Yeah. That's a win-win. And that is something that you can continue to do no matter what team you're on and no matter what kind of work that you're doing. I've been exploring with a few teams lately um, beyond their strengths, but also what are those um, talents, insights or experiences, skills, however you want to label it, that they also bring to the team that they weren't aware of. And I think it aligns to the work of Don Clifton around let's focus on what people um, bring. Let's focus on what's right with them, not what's wrong with them. And just creating a space where people can share that they've got these skills or talents in some other area, but they're available. Like I I did it with a team recently and someone put their hand up and said, like, I am the guru of Excel and I can do this, this, this in Excel. And everyone's like, didn't know that. And then someone else said, I was um, in a previous role involved in this um, collaborative project where we were, um, advocating for change in policy back to the government in this specific area. And everyone's like, didn't know that. Like, so um, I I love the idea of people getting to use their strengths and all of these insights and experiences that they've got and getting the chance to share those. I do too. You, you talking about that experience makes me think of, and I do this anytime I'm working with the team is to take inventory. What, what do we got here? What mm. kind of specialists do we have? What sort of tools and experiences does this particular team have? And what, are, what do they need to get done? And it just, it's this part of, <laughs> I'm try, it'd be like if your toolbox is transparent. Yeah. If everybody could see okay, now we know what's in there and you know what you can do with it. You know what you can do. I mean, to keep 
the metaphor going, you know what you can do with a ratchet. Mm. You know what you can do with an Allen wrench. So look for opportunities. What sort of work tasks needs that sort of tool? Yeah, I love that taking inventory. What have we got? What are those tools, those skills? And, and mm-hmm. you can play with that metaphor, that analogy with different teams to, to get them to visualize that, I'm sure. That's cool. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, you mentioned about your role as a counsellor and uh, how has strengths been part of that work that you've done in your counselling? Strengths has fit nicely in the counselling field because of its alignment with appreciative inquiry. I, I, I've said this a few times when talking about this to, to larger groups. I said psychology has done a fantastic job for the last hundred years of finding out what's wrong with people and how to treat it. Mm. However, a part of psychology that still has a place to be discovered and applied is the positive psychology, the, the what's right with people. And so strengths fits so nicely into that because its emphasis is on what you do well. And, and, I, and I let people know from the beginning. I asked them, of course, about their previous experiences with counseling. And, and my niche is with career and educational counseling. But I let them know. Just You may be used to a lot of folks, hey, where's the pain point and what's the problem, where that's at. That's going to be discussed. But we're going to spend the majority of our time finding out what you do with ease, excellence, and enjoyment. And what's the impact that has? I I think I know, but I'd love to hear you put it into words, the impact people um, find from knowing those strengths in those situations as a counselor. Well, think about how enthusiastic you would be if I said, Murray, I'm gonna set up an appointment for you next week. Uh, an hour, 60 minutes, and we're just going to talk about what's wrong with you. I'm going to give you feedback. We're really going to unpack this. About yeah, that, that sounds exciting. I'm, I'm there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Versus the, that part of when we meet, we are going to talk about your unique gifts. We are going to talk about its link to your successes. We are going to, you know, beyond a, a superficial name of what the talent are, we're going to define what these things are, and we're going to leverage those to do or really to make the kind of life that you want to make. And um, is counseling still an area that you're working in at the moment, or where's your focus uh, now? Well, I have higher ranger, so for me, the world of work is great when I get to do several <laughs> different things. So I still do counseling. I still do career counseling. I still do employability counseling. And strengths has been beneficial there too, because mm. when you're helping somebody prepare for interviews, when you're helping people prepare their, their resumes and cover letter, it's, they have a, an advantage of knowing truly who, how their strengths has helped them to be successful. And you can be very specific when you describe it. 
Yeah, I've had that uh, with a few people I've been coaching where they've, um, it's funny, people can slip into this um, interviewee mode. It's like this robotic way that they think they need to show up for interviews and they're not their true self and they're not successful <laughs> for some strange reason. Right. And, and then when they know their strengths, they can actually not just talk about um, how they've been successful um, or how they would be successful in the role that they're going for, but also they show up in a more authentic way as well, which oh, yeah. I, I believe then as humans, we connect with each other much better. It's, it's real. Then oh, I would be successful if I did this, you know, and it just doesn't work. I love that word you used authentic. Yeah. It reminds me of relationships like dating in the beginning. <laughs> you, you could, if you wanted to, you could mimic everything that the person you're dating. And it's like, yeah, oh yeah, you like country music? I love country music. Oh, you're introverted? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but that if it's not authentic, then eventually the who you truly are is going to come out. And if that's just not a good fit, then really you just kind of stretch out and inevitably you, you're going to experience that tension or conflict when you're just like, Oh, well, turns out I don't love country music. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that, um, unfortunately still there's people that are hired into roles and it's a month or two down the track. And there's, there's still that sense of, you know what, this person's not the quite right culturally. It's not the right culture fit. So I think, still in that um, recruitment process, people are getting hired based on their capability or their skills or their qualifications. However, they're not picking up that right culture fit for them to, to be right for the organization or the team they're going into. And that could be partly due to, as you're saying, they're not showing up authentically in that interview and um, they haven't got that, that right to assess that person and to really understand who that person is and what are they going to be like when they come and work with us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened a few times I've seen. Um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it too. I mean, yeah. both in, in positive and negative applications. Mm. What's, what's on the horizon for you at the moment? What's coming up? Well, we have been thinking, you know, we have got such a, a strong connected community of coaches and the questions are always okay well how do we 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 love this we see how this is really changing individuals how they feel about themselves you see the the benefits that it has for teams and organizations so the question is well how do we do more of it mm. so currently we're working on some how we can do this in a classroom style but allow more access to it so we doing it online. So I'm developing a curriculum and we're, we're maximizing it. <laughs> it was actually what I was working on before you called. Yeah. Great. That sounds exciting. And who would that be for? We want to customize it to a few different audiences. I, I still work with lots of people in higher education. And I have some colleagues who do work with healthcare and real estate. So, well, strengths, the foundations of it, really that's transferable to any audience. Mm. But then what we want to do is customize it. 
what what did what are the particular learning needs of this group fantastic and if all things go to plan when should that become available we're we are hopeful as soon as next month yeah great that would be good but yeah it's my birthday april 7th that would be a good birthday present yeah okay you're locked in as a good coach i'm going to hold you accountable april 7th <laughs> i did i said i said that out loud and, and, and i now know your birthday is even better good <laughs> and uh, i'll be seeing you in omaha again this year yes sir fantastic and um for those listening, Omaha each year around June, July is the Clifton Strength Summit, and um, it's a collection, a a a hot pot of fifteen hundred strengths coaches and enthusiasts from around the world, and it's uh, the conversations between the sessions. Always some very good breakout sessions and keynote speakers, but those conversations which lead to learning and development and collaboration are just uh, awesome. And Ken and I have connected there, obviously, the last three times now, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's been really good. Um, last summit, you did a breakout session on technology and uh, technology hacks for coaches. Mm -hmm. And it's something which got uh, a lot of interest and a lot of people picking up some tips. Have you got any new ones? Have you got one you can share with us today that's... that's um, helping simplify and ease your life. That's helping to simplify and ease my life. I, if they're in our business of coaching, mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. certainly find yourself a, a scheduler. Some, there are several out there. I'm a big fan of Calendly. And yeah. I know that's kind of hard to say. I don't know if that is going to, People can hear that calendly. Calendly, yes. Yeah, yeah. But we in the in the past, it is it is such a time time intensive task to find. Oh, when can you meet? When can you meet? When can you meet? And yeah. this is the sort of thing that just allows it does itself. If you have availability, it is linked to your, you can link it to your Google calendar. You can link it to Outlook and it does the work for you. So get, get, if you are a coach, use a scheduler. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I use Acuity. Acuity mm, yes. scheduling. It's very same functionality from my understanding. And um, I love that you can set up different types of appointments that you then uh, send the links to people, depending on the type of work you're doing with them or the meeting and then they can just book it in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there are so many. I, yeah. And if it's team meetings, you're getting people together. Doodle is one that I, people have had a lot of success with. Sign up genius is another one that if you, if you need volunteers for people, but the same thing that you described, you can have a different kind of meeting with a different amount of the length of time. If you're just, this is just a 10 or 15 minute introductory conversation or catch up there. If it's a full on coaching session, it's going to be this length, 60 or 75 minutes. You can even customize it so that you have a little time in between your appointments that they don't put them exactly back to back yeah. so that you can take notes, 
get a drink, refresh that coffee. Okay, my friend, are you ready for a round of quick fire questions? Round of quick fire questions. Yeah. I am ready, sir. You're ready. ready? Okay, okay. All right. Uh, if you had to pick one of your top five to have tattooed on your body, it's the one that's like you. Which one's that? <laughs> I would probably say input. Okay, and why? It is what I feel is my very strongest theme. And I think that it would almost be like when you go to a festival and people are wearing those colored vests or a shirt. <laughs> yeah. If I had input on then people know, like, yeah, come and ask me. Cool. Okay. If, um, if I don't know, I'm going to go, I'll find out for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tap into my learner and go and find out. Sure. Um, you talked about woo before. Um, what's another way to describe woo for you? What's another way to describe woo for me? I, I love to describe it as social intelligence. What's the biggest blind spot of a ranger? The biggest blind spot is not communicating to other people your plan B, C, D, mm -hmm. or not letting them know that once this domino hits, this other thing is going to happen. Kind of like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. And if, and if you don't let people know your bigger plan, then they may not understand the importance of getting something to you at a certain time. So blind spot is not communicating to people the whole plan. Great. Um, how do you apply your learner as a coach? I would say two ways. One is everything that I have learned through all the years that I've been on earth can become a resource for the people that I am helping. Everything from any discipline, from any, whether that's in a traditional classroom or something that I learned at four o'clock in the morning. The, the other thing is it's my other orientation. I, I care deeply about people and the learner is something that I use to find out more about who I am working with. Mm. Nice. Um, who's the best Spider-Man? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go, a lot of people won't say this and maybe I'm showing my age, but I still believe that the best Spider-Man is a, an actor named Nicholas Hammond. Who what was, the, hey, hang I, I we were both superhero <laughs> fans and you've just thrown me a curveball. <laughs> Nicholas Hammond was the, the man who played Spider-Man in the live action TV series from the 1970s. Yeah. Okay. And what, what makes him so good? You want to know what's funny is I think he lives either in Australia or New Zealand. Oh, okay. I'll check that out. Nicholas Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, you know, part of it is my own nostalgia is just cause when I was a kid, that's who Spider-Man was for me because that was the first time I had ever seen 
an actor live put on that suit. And the other is that, you know, this guy was in The Sound of Music. Yeah, and he has some legitimate acting chops. Yeah. Okay. So, so he, uh, his personification of the character was, was serious. He, w- he was dramatic in the role. He took it very serious. I've actually met him. Yeah, He's well, a great um, guy. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. And, 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 and let's be clear, Spider-Man is your favorite superhero. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah. last round of these sort of semi-rapid-fire questions, last one would be, what's going to happen in Avengers Endgame? Oh, boy. You know they just came out with the, the, the trailer yesterday. Is there a new trailer? Yes. Well, well, Facebook yeah. was down and, 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 uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, the world kind of slowed down a little bit yesterday. And okay. So new trailer, I got to check that out. Yeah. So I have to admit that the last couple of years I've tried to actually not use my input and learner and just mm. go into the theater and experience it. How good is, how, how good is it when you go and watch this, uh, a movie and you know nothing about it? I've found that I like it because Mm. I'm not trying to, I can just experience it in the moment. I'm not trying to anticipate it or figure it out or know that, okay, this person's going to show up at some point. Yeah. 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 And some trailers, unfortunately just give too much away um, of the story. But I I remember going to see Inception, the um, Christopher Nolan film, and I knew Mm. nothing about it because he's very good at keeping that quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away. That was such a great film. It that I did the same thing. I didn't know really what it was about, but I liked the work that he had done. And I, of course, I loved the the characters or the actors in that yeah, movie. Yeah. I just watched it again a couple of weeks ago. And it's still there's parts of like what what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Avengers Endgame. Any thoughts? Any uh, uh, um, sort of. Um, Sort of prediction. I'm just anxious to see it. Yeah, I, I'm just really anxious to see it. Uh, I know at some point. I mean, gosh, I mean, think about Robert Downey Jr. He's been doing this for 11 years, 12 yeah. years. You think of how long it is. So at some point, you know, some of these characters will will go away. So whether that's they're written out, you may experience a traumatic death. But at some point, the team is going to change. Yeah. Have you seen Captain Marvel? Yes. Yeah, we saw opening weekend yep. and loved it. Yeah, we went and saw it on uh, the day after its release last week with the family. And my wife and I laughed out loud at the um, internet loading scenes yes. um, from the 90s. That was so good. Did you? Were your kids with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what do you, why do you find this so funny? <laughs> exactly. When we were in the theater, we noticed that same thing. Like we, the, so all the older folks in the theater are just totally laughing at that. And the young people are like, what, what's happening? What is this? Uh, yeah. I, I think as a film, it, um, it captured the 90s fantastically just with so many little um, references and symbols. I'm also a big Kevin Smith fan. So I loved uh, the, the bit with Stan Lee reading the, uh, script to mole rats. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was now, great. So now yeah. you're going to have to say, you know, spoilers because we're, we're, we're revealing a couple of things here. Ah, oh, yeah. True. True. Spoiler okay. alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert. 
Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> um, so this is the Inspired Energy Podcast, and I ask everyone this question. So your definition of inspired energy is what? Inspired energy. Inspired energy. I, when you say that to me, I think of what will, what is going to catalyze you to be your absolute best? I'll say, I'll say it again. Mm. What will catalyze you to do your absolute best? Yeah, I, I, I feel that in my stomach when you say that. Like it's, it's not just a think, it's a, it's a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Who are you with? What are you doing? What, what's your motivation to do it? What's the why that's associated with it? If you ask these questions, it will reveal to you the, and I don't normally use this word, but it's the, it's what you should be doing. Yeah. To, to be your absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome way to finish our conversation today. Uh, Ken, that is, um, filled with such, um, such power, those words and thinking about if we had everyone that, um, has the ability to tap into that inside of them through, um, coaching, through knowing their strengths and talents, through having that, uh, that collective around them, um, that would be so good. And I, I love your definition. Thank you for that today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate having these conversations with you and I look forward to seeing you in Nebraska. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. And uh, best place for people to connect with you online. You can find me on LinkedIn, Ken Bar Jr. On Twitter, Ken Bar Jr. Facebook, Ken Bar Jr. Very simple, very clean, easy to find you on those social media platforms. Thank you so much again for all your time. Those links to where you can find Ken and more about who he is and what he does will be uh, in the notes for this podcast. If you got some insights, you found something really interesting or insightful out of today's conversation, please share them on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook hashtag inspired energy and please tag myself murray guest and ken bar jr if you'd like to be on the podcast please uh, visit inspiremybusiness.com and uh, drop me a message and we'll get you on here as soon as we can ken thanks again so much that's been awesome chatting today good luck uh, in the coming months and i hope you have lots of moments of flow and inspired energy and i'll see you in nebraska Thank you, sir. You are appreciated. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye now.